Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And tonight is a podcast to podcast. I have a professional voice actor here with me. Uh, he's in the Columbus, Mississippi area. Uh, cultured bumpkin, Jake Phillips. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Alan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So uh, you're in the uh, you in the upcoming play? I am. There's one in uh, Starkville called Alabama Story, so I'm in that one. That's why I sh had to shave, look like a little baby over here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't that's, like being uh, shaved. <laughs> when I left the Army, I said I'm never doing it again, but oh well, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. Uh, I have a horror story from the last time that uh, that I acted. Really? For my ACL. Really? Yeah. Like during a performance? No, dude, it was like uh, two or three rehearsals before the big night. Wow. Yeah, so I was actually making my turn to go to the fight scene that I was supposed to win. Right when I made my turn, my knee popped, and I just hit the deck. Oh. And uh, the director's like, Alan, you're supposed to win. You know, and I was like, I was just hitting the, I was hitting the, uh, I was hitting the deck, man. I was like, uh, something ain't right. Something ain't right. <laughs> Oh no. Freakish accident. I was like, uh, I remember when I went to go get the MRI done and uh the uh the nurse she came in to break the news. She's like, So you tore your ACL? Um, how'd you do it? I said, You're gonna need to help me make a story. This is not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I told her and I told her, I was like, you know, I, I tore it uh acting at a rehearsal for a play and she's like yeah you're gonna need to work on that <laughs> so did the did they cancel the play or like what happened it just so happened that uh covid hit right on time and we never did get to perform the play okay well that's unfortunate in its own way <laughs> but also i don't know a blessing in disguise if yeah, because we had uh we had rewrote the script, dude. Like uh, so I I, I was gonna put off surgery till after, so I was gonna be on crutches, and so we reworked the whole play so that I would be on crutches. Okay. And uh, like we were doing a whole lot of work around, and then like the director broke. Is like, look, they're not gonna let us do it. They're not they're not letting anybody in the theater. Period. And I was like, well, that's actually kind of a relief. I hate I just spent the past three months memorizing this, but right. it is what it is. How about that? Well, now, yeah, would, would that have been at uh, the uh, at the Nova. What's that? The Omnova at the Columbus Art Center. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, man, like, uh, are you originally from the Golden Triangle area? Yeah, from Tibby. Oh, cool. Yeah, kind of out a little south of West Point, out in the swamp. Oh, yeah. Well aware of Tibby, man. We got a, a lot of friends out that way. Uh, I knew some kinders. Sheila. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good people. But, uh, man, tell me a little bit. I was digging into your bio for uh, Culture Bumpkin, and so professional voice actor, and this was brought upon uh, early days and memories of your father reading to you at night, huh? That's right. Yeah. So um, I, the Culture Bumpkin, that's my podcast and my YouTube channel and, you know, like on TikTok. Um, and, and it's just kind of me reading or giving a take on – something from classic literature so it might be like a, a read of a poem or, or or whatever or maybe a shakespeare monologue except with a real southern accent you know what i mean to be mm -hmm. or not to be that's the question you know that kind of thing yeah uh, but just a way to it's all literature themed but i i developed that love because my dad was a um absolute meathead of an athlete is what he called himself he passed in 2013 um uh, but he would he would say he was a meathead, didn't care about the arts or anything, and he did not want me to grow up that way. And so he wanted like uh, he wanted me to to grow up appreciating, you know, poetry and not being embarrassed of being emotional at a great symphony or a piece of art. Like, that's that's okay. It's supposed to do that to you. No, that's fine. Don't don't push that down, you know. And I'm so thankful for that. And um, so yeah, he's he's the one that got me going. But I really didn't do anything with it till I was you know, an adult and, um, kind of said, you know what, I need to, I need to do that for my kids. Cause about the time he died, um, my, my uh, daughter was born and I said, I, I really, I want to get an early start on this for her. So I kind of, 
you know, started the YouTube channel so that she could have, you know, a little catalog of dad reading whatever, if something happens to me, when something happens to me, we're all going to go one of these days. And for those of you watching or listening, I highly, uh, I'll have uh, his channel linked in the description. Go check it out. Subscribe. Uh, we'll plug it again at the end. But uh, if during your workday, if you needed content, whether it's a short or a video, Jake has you covered. I mean, you are, you put out a lot of content. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I love, <laughs> you know, I started, I, I started as a podcast and then later kind of a, um, a video as well. So I kind of have both. But it's, you know, I started the the podcast that I couldn't find. That doesn't mean they're not out there. I just couldn't, I hadn't found it. And that is, you like, I love Mark Twain stories or O. Henry. That's some of the greatest short story writing available. And yet it's hard to find on, on YouTube or a, a podcast. So I said, I'm just going to start doing it. So I'll do the stories and then sometimes I'll put them into compilations, you know, like two hours or something. And that way... You know, if you like classic literature, you could sort of listen to several, you know, Edgar Allan Poe creepy stories for two hours or whatever while you drive or or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, a little bit, a little bit of everything of varying lengths for you know anybody that appreciates you know literature. It's kind of the same story with uh, Porch Talk here. Like when it started, and of course the show has evolved over time. But it was like when I was getting in the podcast, uh, the conversations that we were having on porches and the music that we were sharing. Uh, I just couldn't find anybody else doing anything quite like that. And I was like, well, we got it. We'll just bring it to the table. That's right. And um, I mean, and to your point to just talking about the arts here in the golden triangle or even a little bit beyond, I'm just from across the state line in Alabama yeah. in Lamar County and growing up. I mean, if you were a, if you were a boy or especially up to your formative years uh, up to leaving high school, you played sports. That's what you did. And, um, man, I I played baseball up in time. I was 15, and that's when I got a guitar. And um, now I got drums, I got banjos, I got basses. And, uh, I mean, the whole thing kind of transformed for me. And so, like, I, I see exactly what your father meant uh, when, he, when he told you that. Is, uh, I remember moving down to Mobile. And, uh, like, I had never been around that many people who were into the arts in all different walks of life. And I was like, okay, I just, there wasn't that many of me around. Now I'm surrounded by it. And I, you know, kind of got into it. Right. That's awesome. And I think, you know, I think that's always a good thing. Mississippi and, and, and you know, anywhere in the South, I mean, there's so much culture that nobody nobody ever talks about they talk about the hillbillies and stuff and we got mm -hmm. plenty of them too but like you know you know nobody nobody really pays homage to the fact that man there there's some artistic people i mean columbus is the hometown of tennessee williams you know uh, yeah. some great talents come out of the south yeah uh man <laughs> we have great actors we playwrights uh authors uh musicians and list goes on and on yep. it, it was so funny uh and i rarely go through the comments but someone had commented on a video of mine and uh i was talking about the country as a whole and how i kind of was feeling like I, I couldn't really understand what was going on in mass with everything going on and the guy found out that i lived in mississippi and he was like well no wonder you don't understand you're from mississippi you're you're practically last in everything and probably obese. And I was like, well, that's fair to say, I guess. I mean, statistics are statistics, but we're also number one in a few things, such as the arts. I mean, look at everything that we brought you. Do you like music? Yep. We had we had the blues. <laughs> that's right. I mean, we got Elvis. What you got against that guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. BB King, you know. Jim Henson and the Muppets, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so much art. Um, and yeah, the the author I really like, Harrison Scott Key, and uh, he came to Columbus not too long ago, did a book signing. I've had him on my podcast before. Um, and he he said something to the effect of to understand a place like the South, you need to understand Mississippi, and then uh, and he does that so well. 
in his in especially his first book, The World's uh, Fattest Man, or something like that. And um, yeah, it's it, there's so much going on in the South, and uh, mm -hmm. just because you look at a few statistics doesn't mean you know very much about it. Yeah, I mean, like in the comment, you you were calling me fat and ignorant, but at the same time, I was like, you're showing just how ignorant you are on the subject. But I mean, yeah. like you're you're not looking at the whole picture. And uh, but yeah, uh, to that to that quote, I heard it at the Blue Front Cafe. Um, I want to say the guy was either from Britain or it might it may have been Japan, but uh, that's where Jimmy Duck Holmes is, and they throw two music festivals a year. Uh, one to pay homage to the Blue Front Cafe as an anniversary that happens in September, and then the other one is just to celebrate the blues and the Bentonian style of it. And so you'll have people from all over the world come to Mississippi. And a foreigner told me just, to, I wonder if he read his book and got that quote, because he said that if you wanted to understand the world, you first have to go to Mississippi. Interesting. That's kind of profound. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was too. I mean, and uh, yeah. And I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say growing up, um, being from Mississippi and just the, my sort of close proximity to Mississippi state. And, and also my dad, I've already mentioned how he was, you know, he had an upbringing and he wanted me to have a different one than he did in, in some ways. Um, and so we live so close to Mississippi state university. He was always meeting people from, you know, all around the world and saying, Hey, come over for dinner. And we would have him over for dinner, show him good Mississippi hospitality. And then, you know, after dinner, let's have a cup of coffee. Tell us about where you're from. Hey, hey, uh, Jacob, get the, uh, you know, if he's from, you know, Nepal, hey, get the N encyclopedia. We'd open it up. We had this big set of encyclopedias. All right, uh, here, uh, should talk us through it. And then that family would gather around and this person's face. And I and this happened with other, over, over 50 people, 50 countries. We had like lots of Chinese people, lots of Malaysians. So this happened a lot, but 50 countries, diff different countries by the time I left the house. Um, but right here in the swamp in Mississippi, I hear about, you know, the Himalayan mountains and, you know, the, 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 the Nepal, the Gurkha regiment that fights for the crown and how mm -hmm. what bad dudes those are and all this stuff right here in Mississippi. And, you know, that could happen at any college, I suppose. But for me, it happened in Mississippi. And that's where I got a lot of enrichment culturally was right here in the swamp. I mean, I can relate to that story. I remember uh, my grandmother, uh, she was the one that showed me Lord of the Rings. And oh, nice. um, it, she showed me the film first. She showed me the, uh, do you remember the the late 80s uh, animation for The Hobbit? Mm -hmm. Yep. We, we watched that together and then we would watch The Fellowship of the Ring. And then she bought me a copy of the book and she's like, now go read it. And uh, just being immersed in that world and also like to your point with Mark Twain, I'm a huge fan as well. It just it's a little less family and it almost feels like that was that story is being told from something that I know that I've experienced. And uh, we had uh, foreign exchange students in high school a lot, uh, South Korea, China, a lot like Germany, what you're yeah. talking about. And it was that same experience. Uh, we would have them over the house and feed them and show them Southern hospitality and that very much the same thing. Now tell me a little bit about your part of the world. And it, and it was like, not only was I reading about fantasy and these great stories and books, but hearing these stories about these mountain ranges that I may or may not ever be able to lay eyes on. Right. It's, it's captivating. That's, that's wonderful. And, and I don't think there's anybody alive that when a stranger, especially in the land that you're visiting, like a native of the land you're visiting who is a perfect stranger to you says, hey, tell me about where you're from. What do you like? Oh, that's cool. Can you tell me about, man, everybody likes that. There's nobody that doesn't like that that I've yeah. ever met. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just anywhere in these states, oh, you're from Texas and just spout off. Uh, is, everything really is bigger there. Huh? Or eat, whatever. I mean, they, yep. they eat it up. Eat it up. Or just a misconception like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, you had mentioned um, having this content uh, out for uh, your daughter as she gets older, man. Like, uh, that'll be quite the legacy. Uh, is that really kind of where the cultured bumpkin, is that the main purpose and soul of it? Or is it also to create a community? 
Well, I love, um, you know, the community that I like is, um, you know, people that appreciate literature. And I do a little bit of everything from from early classical literature all the way up through the you know 20th century. And um, so I love I love meeting other people. I recently did uh, Pride and Prejudice in a Southern accent. I read the whole the whole thing on live, and what I'm doing now is pulling the audio, and I'm going to make an audio book out of it. So, so then it's you know there's no interaction, and there's no mistakes or whatever. But, um, but I have done the work, so I just hit record, and then I recorded the whole thing over several sessions, and I've met people from all over the world, and most of them uh, just from that one sort of project, and uh, a lot of them were. Um, you know, I've had people from uh, Great Britain that were like, I saw, the, I saw the, like the title and I was prepared to be outraged. And then when I clicked on it, I see that, no, you love this. And this is a sincere project. And I, I'm in love with you. I love this. You know, this is mm -hmm. wonderful. And you know, that kind of thing. I like that. And uh, I've had a lot of, you know, Jane's Jane Austen society of, I think, you know, Great Britain or, or the, over in the UK and then the USA and stuff come in and say, I, I didn't know this was a thing, but uh, I'm glad this is great. You know, and I, I just love making those kind of connections because I think great writing isn't um, tied to an accent. And a lot of times that accent can bring you together with somebody that maybe, maybe you wouldn't have sort of met, but because, um, you know, let, let's say, uh, you know, you're doing Hamlet in Southern or you, or uh, like uh, the actor Andrew Scott did a version of Hamlet in his Irish accent, and it just—it's different. It's—it's it's almost more relatable than that—that that local accent of wherever wherever you're from or or whatever. And so, um, so yeah, community building, but also the fact that I am I am from the swamp, the Mississippi swamp, with the Tupelo gums out there in the back. You know, it's like I am from a swamp uh a literal swamp and um and yet I, I love shakespeare i love christopher marlowe emily dickinson you know love edgar Allan poe longfellow and i don't think um i think it would be a disservice for anyone to think that well i'm you know i'm from the the woods so i'm i really probably shouldn't mess with shakespeare you know what I mean? Where in Shakespeare, and it doesn't matter where you're from, if you're from the Far East or Middle East or back this away, somebody, there's a Shakespeare character in one of his plays that's going through what you're going through right now. Absolutely. Or has or has been through something that you have been through, etc. It's so good writing is just relatable and stands the test of time. I uh I like using uh, a reference into Shakespeare and uh, bands that I enjoy listening to have done it well. Also, like Semisonic, a lot of people know them by Closing Time, but uh they had a great song. Um, I can hear you singing in my sleep, and toward the end of the song, he makes a, a reference to the Capulet. Uh, I'm singing up to a Capulet. It's a reference in my mind, and it's it's a, he's throwing it back to Shakespeare. Yeah, I love that. Anytime I hear um, a a line like a classic line in a piece of art, a, a song, a title, or whatever, immediately it's almost like a, a dog whistle for culture vultures. Like, oh, oh, this, I like this guy. Mm -hmm. I like this gal. You know, yeah, she, she's a reader or whatever. I, I think that's great. I love that. Dude, uh, my the first episode of Porch Talk was called "To Be or Not to Be." <laughs> nice, <laughs> and, and it, it was like I opened up with, uh, I had just watched The Disaster Artist, and so I was doing my Tommy Wiseau, and uh, you remember the room? No, it's uh, it's a movie so bad, it's a it's a cult classic now. Oh, nice, and so like. Tommy was, he's not an attractive guy and he can't particularly act. The only thing about Tommy is that he, he has a lot of money. And also he lied about his origin. Nobody knows where he's from. Nobody knows about where he gets his money from, but all he wants to do is act. And he's in these acting classes and he's doing Shakespeare and all this, but he's, his accent is so horrible <laughs> that you you hate it but love it at the same time 
you know, it's almost like what you were saying earlier, like reading Shakespeare in a Southern accent. Right. And when people would ask where he's from, I'm from New Orleans. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. But yeah, uh, the disaster artist, that was James Franco. Him and his brother uh, remade The Room and okay, okay. to pay homage. And it's it's a good film. But uh, yeah, I decided I was like, I'm going to give it my Tommy Wazoo's finest and just go boss the wall. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and that, I mean, but like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that, those cultural things. And like, I mean, the older I get, the, I, I used to, I used to be in the sports. I'll still go to a sporting event and the camaraderie of it, but like, I didn't even watch last night's Super Bowl. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care anything about it. I, I spent my time, uh, fiddling around on a guitar or writing a little bit, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I wasn't for me. Yeah. I'm kind of the same. I, I used to be really big in sports, but I, I same, the older I get, you know, the more loved ones I lose, it's kind of like, that's a freaking game. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. good. If you can make a living at it, good for you. But I'm also got, I'm too busy to sit there and sort of live vicariously through your exploits on the field. Even if I do, and I did watch the game and I enjoyed it. It was a good game, but, it, but it wasn't like, I wasn't bothered by the outcome. You know, it's kind of like, no, oh, Chiefs won, all right, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's always insane to see those uh, compilation videos of the aftermath of those big games like that. Someone has done broke their TV, or now there's there's fighting amongst friends, and I was like, I, what are we doing, Bubba? You yeah. know? Yeah, that is, that's too important to you if you're doing that kind of thing when it doesn't go right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, dude, I, I'm just not in that. And like you said, man, it's more uh, – the more loved ones that I lose, it's like the more that I'm just trying to hold on to what I got and cherish that. Yep. Try to figure out ways to honor it. And, you know, I, I do enjoy like watching people from the university of Alabama or Mississippi state or people that I've, I, I did get a chance to see, um, here live. I, I mean, I still remember them seeing in Davis Wade or at Bryant Denny and it's, it's good to see them on the big stage, but yeah, it's, it's just a game. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, what else? Uh, we've talked a little bit about your acting. I mean, like, uh, is is that something you said you 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 don't want to shave again? But are you 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 still enjoy it? I I love acting, and I think, uh, and that's kind of a joke. If I had to shave, I would. But it's kind of like I had. A, I have to have a pretty good reason, and my reason for this is this play is set in the late fifties. And, you know, the guys were either shaved or with a mustache. And I think I look stupid with just a mustache. So fair um, enough. I look stupid shaved now. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> great, great face for radio. I'm in a good line of work. The um, but I, I really like it. I, I think that um, community theater like I'm doing over in Starkville is uh, it's a great way of developing one confidence and things like that, but also um your voice you know the inflections in your voice and things like that and and i think uh in some stage plays in the past i've played these cartoon characters in comedies well these in in this one it's much more like this is a sincere character and so to me that's harder it's harder to be sincere and good at acting than instead of like a now i think the three stooges is brilliant comedy. Some some people might laugh, but like that, that, those guys, they were good at physical comedy. Everything they did was thought through, and it looks like they're just up there messing around. But those guys were very smart, and if you hear them talk about it, especially Mo later in life, Mo Howard, um, you know some of the stuff he would talk about setting up jokes. It's just it's really good. Um, but that's just it's good to uh, in as a voice actor. Uh, to sort of take your voice through the paces every so often. It's like, you know, you put a new whatever on your truck, and so you take it out on the highway and open her up, and, you know, let's let's see, did I put it in right? Is anything rattling? Does it sound good? Mm -hmm. All right, good deal. And I think stage acting is kind of like that. It kind of gives you a chance to to sort of push the boundaries on where your your voice normally is, because I, I do a lot of commercials, right? Um, and so a lot of times my voice is right in here. 
maybe up uh, maybe up about here maybe maybe you know i'm i'm projecting just a little bit maybe sometimes i'm you know back here a little bit but it's it's generally in a in a band right mm-hmm. whereas you get in a stage play you can start pushing all right let's inflect really high way up here let's get up here where i would never be in a commercial and then you know down here and it could be to comedic effect or it could be because that's what the script kind of calls for and the, whatever the character is going through is reaction and so i love stage acting and i think it's a great it's a great little it's like a it's like a little workout a little, pr- a little practice reps for your voice I've uh I've been in three plays, counting the one that we didn't get to perform, the one I was telling you about at the beginning, and um, it it's fun to walk the skin of another human being, and it, it's yeah. also uh like each play that I've been in, I got to do an accent, okay. like uh one time I had like a Midwest Chicago, or then there was one time where it was a little more Irish, and it was kind of like uh, the movie Snatch with Brad Pitt, so I kind of uh-huh. took it like that gypsy, okay. like what right. I want a caravan when I was right, right. Or, and like just having fun with that and then like uh it's you're rehearsing that in your bedroom and then you get someone to uh come read script with you and like they're here and they're like whoa dude like you're really in there and i was like yeah so it ain't it ain't alan right now dude i'm i'm this guy (laughs) yeah that's i'm kind of um naturally introverted i would say i'm a highly functioning introvert right i my default is to kind of you know, just kind of sit there and read or, yeah. you know what I mean? Observe. I'm not really, I, I like people. I like talking to people, but generally they're going to be the one to introduce themselves. I don't know. That's just kind of how I am a little on the introverted side, but with stage acting, it, that really helps me. Cause it's like, I can say, oh, I can sort of open up because it's not even me you know you, you don't you still don't know me you know what i mean i yeah. can i can be outgoing and yet it's another guy that's outgoing it's not jake and uh that's kind of how i got into it and i think i'm yeah. i think i've matured i think i'm less introverted now than i used to be but also i i like um acting for that reason because you you get to you know get in somebody else's shoes yeah i, I think that'll be the the next thing like what I, I go back out to community theater. Um, I want to do, I've, I've done serious. I want to do a, I think I want to do a comedy. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if I've done a comedy yet. I, I, most of the things that I've done has been fairly serious or if, well, I take that back. The last one that I was in, it was a comedy, but I was a serious character. Okay. You're which kind was, of a set man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is an yeah. important part. Yeah, that's, I mean, everything know. falls apart without that guy. But yep. at the same time, it's like everyone else is having fun while you're just kind of, you're the guy that's uptight. Right. <laughs> that's funny. One of my favorites, uh, I, I'm, I'm a classic, almost anything kind of guy. One of the great um, comedy duos, you know, to me was Abbott and Costello. And Abbott was the set man a lot, of the, you know, most of the time, just kind of, or always, I think. Um he was the serious guy that didn't, you weren't laughing at him. You were laughing at the situation he put Costello in. And then when he's falling and smashing tables and all that, that's when the laughter comes, but none of that works without Abbott, you know, like the, you know, setting the volleyball for your spike. You know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. so important to have both. Yeah. I think like, uh, that's, a, I'm a huge comedy fan and I, I've seen it begin to work that way with uh comedy podcast. Mm-hmm. And then, when those guys go to do stand up, of uh, like, I think like these guys are genuinely funny with their friends because, like you just said, one of them can set up the set up the spike, so to speak. They can set the joke up, but when you're up on stage by yourself, a lot of times it's lackluster or it's not what you heard on the podcast. And right. so, like, that's always a very interesting dynamic because it's it's so different. Mm-hmm the um i think comedy is something that's so fascinating to me like what is like the ability to make somebody laugh one is uh, powerful that's like a superpower you know i think when you if when you laugh your heart opens up so i mean you can you know if you're trying if you're a politician one of the greatest things you could do is be funny yeah you know, charisma. You're trying to, you know exactly and um i know many a time <clears throat> Somebody will say something that if they would have said, hey, and, and just said it with a straight face, sort of 
assertively. I would I would have flat rejected it and said, you know, get out of here. I'm not interested. And yet, but you came to me and made me laugh. And now I want to hear a little more. And maybe it's just, well, I disagree, but okay. I, I, I see where you're coming from on that. That's mm-hmm. funny. And I, I just think comedy is so, it's fascinating. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it, the same rule still applies, man. I go back to the court jester and like, what mm-hmm. was his, jo- what was his job in the King's court? Well, he was the only one that could bring a critique to the King without getting his head chopped off. Why? Yep. Cause he would make the King laugh. Yep. And it was about the calamity of what's going on in the kingdom, but he was the only one that could convey it to where it was, there was humor. That's right. That's so right. So very much needed. Uh, and I think like those are like our comedians and there are other people when it comes to the arts, like sports. Yeah. Very important when it comes to the, the culture of a, a country or a nation, but like your comedians, I consider to be the gatekeeper. Uh, overall culture as far as like setting the tone of even what language is okay right uh it's it's very interesting definitely i read it we're seeing that play out like with uh the shane gillis story with snl uh he was fired from the cast after they dug through his podcast and found out some jokes that he made and now at the end of this month he's hosting it and so it's come back full circle and so it's been and this has been going on for over a year and a half, and it was just announced at the beginning of this month that he would host. And I've been just following this story, and it would have been so easy for him to to play the victim and just oh woe is me, but no, he rallied. That's and now awesome. and now instead of being a cast member, he's going to host an episode. How about that? I I was not aware of that. That's really cool. Yeah. So props to that, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, well, I was just mentioning, I recently, recently read a book um, by a fellow named George Clare. He changed his name because he was a Jewish Austrian before World War II. And Austria was, of course, a big German country. Mm-hmm. So his name was Clare. I mean, just as German as he could be, but because he was a Jew, he, they didn't, you know, they're like, you know, y'all got to get out of here. And, um, well, this, the, 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 people that were perceptive and were kind of reading the culture got out of there way before kind of things really kicked off with World War II. But in his case, he said one of the things that um, made him say, we got to get out of here, is there was a comedian that made some jokes about um, the Jewish Nuremberg law or the Nuremberg laws and the 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 comedian was a Jewish guy and he made some jokes about the Nuremberg laws, which of course were like, you know, you can't uh, marry a Jewish person or you can't be a business partner, those kind of things. And he said that he went to a comedy show one night and everybody was laughing. The, the comic was killing it. And then he read in the paper like the next day or two that that guy had been arrested for Mm. like crimes against, um, you know, sort of like uh, suspected espionage, that kind of nonsense. But it's just somebody that has it out for you and they just roll you up. That's what corrupt governments do. And he said he read that in the paper and he was like, oh, I know he's not a spy. I, I bet you he's funny and and uh, that, that's not good. So that's and this was like early 30s almost, or mid 30s anyway. And that's kind of when he started trying to get Seeing out of the writing on the wall, which is a good thing because, you know, he might not have made it out but um but yeah to your point that uh comedy is kind of it gives you a pulse of what where the culture's at mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's a, it's a, one of the vital signs of a of how good of how healthy a culture is absolutely man and it's been crazy like just over the past 10 years or you know i'm 33 of and maybe i'm just beginning to get old enough to uh, get a grasp on it and just kind of see it and maybe I can better understand it. But it just seems to me like, man, the past 10 years has been such a whirlwind when it comes to American or even Western culture. Like we're kind of in an identity crisis of uh, who we are as a people. I I think that's right. I look at some shows that were real big when I was in college. I'm a little older than you. Uh, when I was in college, uh, Chappelle's show was kicking off mm-hmm. and the office was kicking off. 
Now, obviously, Chappelle's show was much more of a, a line pusher, even back then, than The Office was. But I don't know if you could make either one of those now without people just being outraged by it. Absolutely. I mean, to quote Dave Chappelle on his own show, I think he was, uh, they were talking about uh, Rick James, maybe. He was a habitual line stepper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Charlie Murphy was yeah. talking about Habitual line stepper. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. such a good line. <laughs> yeah. That, said, I mean, that you is. slapped me in my forehead said unity. <laughs> <laughs> Those, um, <laughs> and when he would, uh, Dave Chappelle would come, would play the uh, in white face with a giant blonde wig. Chuck oh, Car yeah. The newscaster. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> oh, man. That was what a great show. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I really uh, like that about him is that he does not sort of censor his comedy or or cater to people that are easily offended. He's kind of I'm gonna have a little something to make everybody mad. And then uh, you know, he says things that I don't agree with or whatever, whether it's political or you know, morally whatever, and yet mm -hmm. he makes you laugh. And so you're like, okay, well, yeah, I, I can that's your way of looking at it. That's great. Let's let's get along either way. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I can see his point. Uh, I mean, I just watched his latest stand-up, and uh, he had had a lot going on. And I remember he had uh, Chris Rock on tour with him, who had just been slapped by Will Smith at the Grammys. Yeah. And uh, he had a guy rush him on stage with what he thought was a gun, turned out to be a knife. And the first thing that the joke that he was about to make, Chris Rock rushes off from backstage and is like, was that Will Smith? And I was like, <laughs> you made the perfect joke. Right. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, man, and, and those things are perfect when when you can not only, like, make fun of yourself, but, like, also, like, what a cultural moment of something that we had never seen. <laughs> right. And uh, I think uh, humor anytime is a good thing, but humor in the midst of a bad situation is to me the the purest humor if there be such a thing uh, or maybe there's something uh, from a um uh like you use your own hardship to make somebody else laugh and you're okay with that i just to me that takes such courage and when i was in iraq i was a young army officer i was in iraq and i was in this uh the talk a tactical operations center uh this one for a couple of the months i was there and there was uh one day like the band five finger death punch came in there it's like i was like walking you know doing something and all the guys came in the room and uh, they were just super cool and i loved all those uso tour guys toby keith who just passed he mm -hmm. was you know great uh he was all, kelly pickler man her poster was on every uso place i ever went to over there that is, some of those folks I, I just really appreciate that but these guys they had a program where they would if you had lost like a limb or had some sort of catastrophic injury they would actually they brought them back in this was 09 to um and you could go on a patrol like the army would send out a patrol and you could go to the spot where you lost your limb or got blown up in some way or what lost a friend whatever were maimed and get out and everybody pulls security while you sit there and you just you just deal with it as long as you need to and when you're ready to go everybody packs up and you go and i mean like that's wonderful i think that's great um so these guys were there there was a group of about 10 wounded warriors and there was different different kinds some guys you could tell by looking at them you know one guy was like no hair and pink like they were all in uniform but i mean just you could tell it was scar tissue he didn't have eyebrows, you know, he didn't have any hair on his face, you know, and, and didn't even have a full nose. Like you could, he, all the, the gristle had been scorched. And, uh, and yet he's, he was like, guys, um, man, I've been through some stuff and I'm, I'm I think I'm doing fine. You know, if y'all just remember, if you're going through something, you're going to make it out the other side. And to me, well, that's, that's heavy in a good way. That's good. Thank you. Well, th so this other guy came in. And there's several, you know, some guys are clearly, you know, have a prosthetic leg or whatever. Well, this one guy came in and I thought he was one of the, the chaperones or whatever. One of the guys, one of the guards kind of, uh, kind of, uh, uh, 
you know, running around with him. He had his hands on his back and he had, he was like a, a some kind of a E7, a, a platoon sergeant, you know, first sergeant, whatever. And uh, sergeant first class. And he said, uh, um, he was just stood in the corner for a little bit, you know, as, as there people coming in, everybody, officers would come up, Hey, you know, it's good to have you guys. Can we get you anything? You know? Um, and so he's standing there in the corner and he says, uh, Hey, he leans over to me and says, Hey, uh, you want to say something funny? And I was like, well, well, sure. Thank you. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm down for something funny. And he goes, you know, from his, in the military, you know, you call it parade rest when you have your hands behind you. He said, uh, hey, private. And he, he talked to a, a younger enlisted fella. Uh, Would you mind getting me a, a bottle of water over there? And because it was hot, it's Iraq. There's like a pallet of water inside the door of every building you go in. And he said, oh, oh yeah, oh, absolutely, Sergeant. And he ran over there, grabbed the bottle, and came back and, and handed it to him. And this guy went like this. You son of a bitch. Can't you see I don't have any arms? Can you open it for me? He did that with a straight face. And then when I looked, he did not have any arms. His sleeves were pinned behind him. Whoa. <laughs> and, then, and then he just looked at the kid like, and, the, and then the kid was mortified. He was like, oh, oh, sorry. Oh. And the guy burst out in the most raucous laughter I've ever heard. It was like, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, could you open it for me? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do. And like, uh, I mean, would, like you mind, uh, would you mind holding it up for me? We get under it. I mean, like <laughs> to me, it's like wow, that is a you're a brave man. That's good. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's always good to have those people. I mean, even like uh, I mean, I, I work in with electricity um, Monday through Friday, and every now and then we have to go through these safety videos, or we'll have someone come talk to us about safety or whatever else. And I mean. Sometimes we'll have someone who has lost appendages or lost both arms or uh, they got arc flash to where, like you were describing the face earlier. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, an arc flash is it's 10 times harder, hotter than the sun. Uh, and it's usually if you get arc flash, I mean, it's right on you. Right. So it just eats you alive. I mean, that's how that, that guy lost both arms. Like that arc flash just deteriorated it. And so, like, we're always happy-go-lucky and thank god when we have these guys come in and speak with us that have had these god-awful accidents it was like if you don't look like this don't wear your ppe yeah and then you know they'll go through and tell their story and it's like man how easy is it for me to just go about my day-to-day and not feel like putting my ppe on yeah and just i've done this a thousand times but dude it could be the thousand and one time and electricity is that uh you know it's that current in the in the river that you don't see that'll pull you under you know it's uh it's that snake in the brush it's always there it's waiting and it'll strike you at any moment if you let your guard down and so it's like anytime i always try to be mindful of that but you know like having people that have had like these awful accidents or however it happened to them to be able to make a good joke that's great. That is great. Because it, it would be so easy to be, oh, woe is me, and just yep. feel sorry for yourself. Man, props to that guy for yep. having a good time with it, at least. <laughs> and, I, I mean, to me, that, that's just, I'm like, man, if anything happens to me like that, if anything were to happen, I hope that I would um, sort of navigate whatever trauma comes along with it like he did. Cause that's a, that's impressive. That's, that's a real, a strong man. You know, anybody, if you can do that, if you can laugh about something awful, I just, that's a strength there that I may or may not have, you know? Well, all right. Oh, well, Jake, man, I've got a, I've really enjoyed this time. I've got about three more questions and we'll wrap this up, brother. I mean, right. I'd love, I'd love to have you on again in person next time or however we can do it. Yeah. Do I it. really do appreciate your time. Uh, question one, man. Uh, would you please plug uh, the socials? Uh, I saw that you have a shop too. So you got a good hat there. Uh, yeah, that's right. Tell us, tell us about like how people can uh, connect with what you got going on. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm on YouTube as uh, the culture bumpkin uh, along with TikTok. pretty active over there. 
and on um, my podcast. Wherever wherever you get your podcast, you could find the Cultured Bumpkin. I, and I do highly recommend it, dude. Like I, I spent a lot of time in a work truck riding around, and I have spent quite a bit of time with you, and I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it's, that. That always means a lot to me when somebody, it, you know, says it's that. It's a good hang, and uh, it's it's fresh, man. I spend a lot of time like listening to comedy podcasts, or uh, sometimes it's news and politics, and like uh, culture bumpkin is a it's a good break, and it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. And I think you do a great job, and I'm glad you. you do it. Thank you, Alan. That means a lot to me. Yeah, man. Uh, any other plugs for that? Just YouTube, uh, Instagram. Yeah, TikTok. yeah. That's the uh, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Um, or, or I should say, uh, uh, podcast, YouTube, TikTok is the Cultured Bumpkin. Um, my, I'm I am on on Instagram as Jake Phillips one one six, but that's a little more as far as that's more my personal stuff. I do family pictures and whatnot. That's not that's not all classic literature <laughs> right on uh tell me a little bit about the future of uh, have you, you got anything uh a new series or a, a new idea you've been crafting is there anything new going on with culture bumpkin that uh you you care to share well um yeah this past year you know i started i i read uh uh, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, who is one of my favorite authors. That's not just like, oh, I'll find something people like. I have in the army that's that sort of took me out of Iraq and swept me off to a faraway place where people were nice or polite, even if they're talking crap to your face. And, uh, you know, it was just totally different. And I loved that. Uh, it just it just helped me escape. And so I, I love Jane Austen for that. So I did that. Right now I'm reading uh, Treasure Island in Southern by uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. So I, that, that's what I'm going to be doing this year, going live almost every day uh, and then turn it in, into an audiobook when I'm all done. Great way of connecting with people and, and stuff. And I do live poetry readings at night as well. Kind of keeping that up. Um, I've got some um, uh, off, off-site stuff. I'm going up to Chicago to record an, an audio drama here in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, just just more of the same, really. Very cool, man. Last question to walk out of the door. Uh, what was your favorite part of this uh, conversation? Man, you're a good interviewer. You had a lot of questions uh, prepared, and I, I suppose, I mean, I didn't. Uh, I know we've we've talked some, but I, I didn't realize that like you have actually uh, kind of dug into my podcast and listened. And to me. You're an artistic guy. You've you're busy. You've got your own podcast, and yet you've taken the time uh, to spend with me, unbeknownst, you know, just with my content, and that that means a whole lot to me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man, dude. Uh, I'm I'm just uh, man. I'm I'm happy that you're doing what you do, and like with uh, Shannon and uh, everyone else in our community that is uh, being creative, podcasting, or whatever kind of show or whatever they're doing. Uh, I want to support it. And, uh, I appreciate that. You know, let's lock arms and uh, what is it? Uh, the tide that raises all ships. Let's all come up together. That's right. I'd like to have you on my podcast too and uh, just talk about uh, your songwriting process, your creativity, just whatever. I think I, yeah. I would love, I'm not musically inclined, but I would love to get in your mind a little bit and hear about what makes you tick and the, the creativity yeah, side of that. I'd love to do it. I think you'd enjoy it because it all starts as poetry for me. Right. That's right. That's right. For sure. And uh and then here comes the melody and then I'll pick up an instrument and begin to but I we'll get in all that on yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh Jake, man, thank you so much for your time. We'll uh, we'll close out right here, buddy. That sounds good. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. I wake up, the sun's still down Can't see around the room Got a big old mess around the house Don't know what to do Yeah, nothing's right when baby's got the blues Car won't start, my dog got sick Got two leaks on the roof Got a past due bill from the termite folks A chip on my front tooth Yeah, nothing's right when baby's got the blues I get down when baby's got the blues 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.